Hi everyone, I'm your host NG and welcome to the 65th episode of the podcast, Sounds About Right? Audiobooks help us understand the world. Now, as you can tell by the episode title, this is a bit of a different one today. I spoke with Costa, who is someone who likes to read both fiction and non-fiction books and has read some very interesting titles and creates content posting his reviews and recommendations. I spoke to him about the books that he's read, as well as the things that they've taught him, and all the books mentioned in the episode are posted in the show notes. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope you do too. First and foremost, Costa, thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. It's a Saturday. I had nothing else on, so. <laughs> All right, so the first thing I want to ask you, actually, is how did you get into reading books? And was there any book that ignited your interest? It's a funny story. I didn't really start reading books until I was, like, 21. When I was younger, I never really enjoyed reading. Like, I felt like I was forced to at school. So, like, my form tutor made, made us bring a book in, and I would literally have a book open, and I would pretend to read it and flick the pages just because I never liked fiction. So I always read like newspapers and magazines instead, and I liked watching news. But it wasn't until I kind of after I graduated university, I was I was actually like kind of craving the studying aspect. So I started to pick up books I had read parts of for my course, and then I just finished them, and then kind of snowballed during the pandemic. Um, and a book that really ignited my interest, I think I decided I liked dystopian fiction because I read 1984 by George Orwell and I really enjoyed that book when I was like 15. 1984 was a big thing because I, it made me think that I could like books, but then it never really went anywhere. But it was always like on my mind that I wanted to read a bit more dystopian fiction. And I, I picked that up later on in my 20s. But when I was at uni, I did a module about like the psychology of race and there was a book called why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria by beverly tatum and i really enjoyed that book because it kind of took a it was almost written like an academic journal like there was just a lot of i like a lot of data and a lot of evidence when you're when you're kind of talking about a topic just really thinking about the whole system and i i just thought she put that book together really really well and I think it's quite very, it's like very popular and like uh, seminal as a book in America, but it wasn't really something I'd heard of in the UK. But I read it for my course and I really, really enjoyed it. And then I finished the whole book, even though I didn't need to. And then that kind of started an interest in, in actually reading books. And then from there, I just started with nonfiction and then worked my way through to fiction after that. Ah, so what do you look for when it comes to deciding your next read then, Costa? I have a list of like 200 books on my <sighs> notes app at this point. And I pick up books from all sorts of places. So friends, I have a lot of friends who like studied English lit for some reason, and they recommend me books. I had a friend's uh, Goodreads account, like he sent me a list of his reading lists, and I, I copied a bunch of those as well. That was mostly like political theory books, so that was kind of a, a basis. But then I, I'm, I have like loads of newsletters that I follow, accounts I follow that recommend books as well. And then now TikTok is really good for book recommendations. So it's become a thing of just like, I, I just pick up recommendations wherever I go. And it kind of is, it's kind of out of control at this point. But um, I just, I kind of just look at the blurb. Usually if it's over 500 words, I'll avoid it unless it's really recommended. So if it's like of a decent length, so like less than 400 pages, I will like say, say okay, I think I can handle that. And then I have like a list of themes in like my list is broken up by themes and then technically like generally if it's a book that is 
recommended to me and it falls within those categories, I'll, I'll give it a try. Yeah, I noticed that you um, tend to discuss books that aren't over 400 pages. How comes, how comes you prefer to read books that are much shorter than the longer kind, for, for lack of a better term? I think it's an attention span thing. I don't really have the attention span to be reading books that are like 600 pages. I have a colleague who only reads like Russian literature, like from the early 20th century. That's like a thousand pages or more. And I'm the complete opposite. I like, I like, I think I just, I like picking up ideas and I find it hard to, I just feel like someone who's a really good writer can articulate their ideas really succinctly. And if you can't do that, then it's, I, I kind of, I'm skeptical over what your, the quality of your writing is going to be. But maybe that's me being overly judgmental because I've read books that are really long and I've really enjoyed them, but I just don't tend to do it very often. How has some of the books you've read contributed, if any way, to a broader understanding of societal and cultural issues? I'd always been aware that like literature and writing and books are like a really important cause for social good in the world. Like that's always been something I've been aware of. Like I used to go to my library as a child all the time. I just didn't read the books, but I was, I enjoyed being in those spaces. I liked going to bookshops even when I was a kid. I just liked being around books. I just liked the kind of limitness of the knowledge and the fact that books are so abundant. I thought that was really interesting as well. But I think what I'm really into at the moment is like memoirs that kind of place a person within society so I have a I have a few so like that and like essay collections I also do the same so on the topic of like length I like an essay collection that's like different writers combined because it again it means that you have like loads of different ideas put into one in one place which I, I quite enjoy the convenience of that a really good example of this like phenomenon is Natives by Akala it's a memoir but it also speaks about history like global history but kind of centers Akala as an individual within that and I think that's quite a hard thing to do because I've seen some authors not do it particularly well and I've covered these on my on my TikTok page and some people get really annoyed when I kind of say they didn't do a good job but I tend to gravitate more towards the anecdotal um, and like people just talking about their own experiences rather than trying to I guess make claims about whole swathes of people in a way that doesn't feel very authentic but I think natives are by Akala Emma Dabiri, Unorthodox by Deborah Fieldman, like these books, I think, do a fantastic job of, again, the kind of, this idea of the personal is political, I'm very interested in. Just because I think, especially growing up in London, you hear so many people's stories and you kind of, you feel very much part of a society when you're in a big city. So I think that's always kind of shaped my perception of of books as well in that way. Mm, brilliant. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed Natives by Carla, actually. I'd listened to audiobook and I've read the physical as well that's how much I enjoyed it did he narrate the audiobook <laughs> he did oh, yeah nice. okay so another question I wanted to ask you is do you mind sharing an instance where a book has challenged any of your preconceived notions or made you reconsider a particular topic yes I'm trying to think of a good example mm. I think James Baldwin's writing is a good example of again the idea of an individual who is kind of like living in a way that like kind of I guess breaking precedent I think that always challenges me the idea of like you don't actually have to be treading a path that's particularly well trodden 
I think especially his uh, work about Paris and like the move to Paris and how that kind of shaped him as a writer was really interesting to read about. There's another book, I guess the books I haven't enjoyed also shape me. So like, there's two in particular. One is called Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall, which I didn't dislike. Mm. It's I just think it's a book of two halves and that's kind of what I speak about. I think the parts about her life are really interesting and the parts about where it's like it's like half memoir half non-fiction and the non-fiction aspects she doesn't really provide a lot of citations a lot of the time and I'm very again maybe that's just my kind of academic background I'm very much like I want evidence but again maybe that's kind of also like problematic in some ways to kind of expect someone to kind of have evidence for things I don't say because there's reasons why there's not data for certain things so that I think that was challenging to me and also there's another book um, I read it this year Black Boy by Richard Wright I think just understanding America more in its wholeness and its totality is is challenging because I'm from a very like European, West Asian, British context. So that's my my world. So to think about America, just like the scale of America and American history, wasn't something I was really exposed to until quite recently. So I think that's been been challenging because it's just a different paradigm to adjust to. But I tried to think I'm like politically, my my ideals are quite open. I like to have my perspectives shaped and challenged quite often. It's quite a healthy thing, I think. Mm-hmm. And are there any specific genres? you enjoy more than others such as history or social commentary and memoirs because one thing I did notice is that you don't really post much about self-help books that is a good I actually have a small list of self-help books (laughs) in my reading list I just haven't really read a lot of them but they are there (laughs) I will get to them eventually I think I guess I'm quite skeptical over people who write self-help books to be honest in the pandemic my friends we started a book club it didn't last long because book clubs never do for some reason um it's like a thing it's not really self-help it's more about like kind of sexual liberation but it's directed at people who have vaginas which isn't me so I guess it kind of went mm-hmm. over my head but there were some aspects about again the idea of like pleasure and like what that is it's quite interesting um Emily Nagoski is her name so she writes a lot. I guess that's kind of self-help. And I thought, that, that again, I don't really read that drama very often. So that's a, that's a good observation on your part. I don't. I think, yeah. So I have, like, my one of my cousins is really into, like, motivational speakers and self-help and that kind of stuff. I managed an 18-year-old placement student at work recently, and he was really into motivational speakers. He did his EPQ on Arnold Schwarzenegger doing this amazing, like, motivational speech that he, he does a lot of those speaking engagements. I was just like, that's a whole world. Or that's completely beyond me. It's not, it's not something I'm really engage in. But um, yeah, I do have a list of, of self-help. It's so little, it has five books on it, but I do, I'm interested in immersing myself in that world a little bit more because I think it's, it's definitely a blind spot for me. Are they popular books or are they the lesser known ones? I don't know. Um, one, I think one is quite well known. It's called um, On Connection by Kate Tempest, who's like a really well-known poet. Um, I think Kate Tempest was nominated for the Mercury Prize for one of her albums before. So I think she's quite well known. And then, yeah, I don't know. Again, I kind of add books without putting much research. I literally look on their kind of, their, the blurb online. And I'm like, does this sound like I, it's interesting? Does it have a nice cover? It's really important as well because I'm very shallow. And if, mm-hmm. if a book has an ugly cover, <laughs> I think that's also why I don't read a lot of fantasy because I think fantasy books tend to have a really horrible cover, which puts me off. Yeah, they've got gold and silver stuff Yeah, it's so tacky. It it's that, like, yeah. do you know, like heavy metal kind of albums? Yeah, just like, yeah. Who designed this? <laughs> I'm, I'm quite design focused. I like something to look nice, a bit mm-hmm. shallow. But so, the, yeah, there's five books. I can share that list with you after the call. And you can tell me if the, the things you've heard of, because I, I get the impression that you like that kind of thing. No, it's just an ob- observation I had. Okay. But it's, not, it's not my bag at all. I'm not going to lie. 
Nah. I'm glad because I thought you'd be like, I thought you'd kind of all about it. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I feel bad. But again, I'm I'm open to kind of seeing if there's anything there for me. I just don't think there is because I'm I'm kind of I've quite a good. I think I've quite like a. I've I've quite I'm quite a motivated person. I don't mm. think I need an, an, some author to tell me to be motivated. Yeah, I, I I just feel as though there's only so many ways someone can tell you to be motivated as well. I feel like after you've read one, you've kind of got the gist of all of them personally um i think i read one and i was yeah. like okay this is great like you, you take away like five or six quotes from it you can live by those five or six quotes and you know you can, i feel as though you can move forward from that affirmation is quite powerful i feel but constantly having to read it from one person and then another person and then another person it's just ugh, sometimes it dilutes the message sometimes i feel but that's my opinion yeah I feel like to some extent I'm skeptical about that genre because I feel like it's like innately a cash grab and quite mm. exploitative. But then like, it makes me think: surely every kind of non-fiction literature is a cash grab, if that makes sense. If you're trying to sell an idea of like the world, that's also a cash grab. But then that's probably a lot more nuance to that. Um, but I think also, and if it's self-help, I need it to acknowledge that capitalism is not great and that climate change is like a happening thing Mm. so i feel like especially like a lot of like business development books i read a few of those for work i don't talk about them very often because they're not very interesting but i read them for work because it's like part of my my job to read about that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. like product development and things like that and i feel like they kind of it's from a very pro-capitalist place and i think it's interesting to talk about business in so much detail and not acknowledge how like life's just life destroying like financial hardship and uh when businesses fail and that kind of stuff like the externalities as it's called in economics like the fact that that's kind of not discussed it from my understanding is very bizarre so if there's a book out there that is self-help that acknowledges about kind of being resilient and thriving in the face of these challenges i think i would be interested in that because i think that's something that's important for people if one of the five books that you have on your shortlist is one of them, let me know so I can check it out. <laughs> I'll let you know, yeah, when I, when I eventually get to them. I think On Connection is really, I think it's like 100 pages. Because Kate Tempest is a poet, I think generally her books are quite short. So maybe I'll start there and work my way down. Is there a book that you often find yourself referencing or recommending to others because of how insightful it is uh i think natives by carlo is a good example there's another one that's kind of similar called don't touch my hair by emma debury because it again it does that thing of like basically taking on the entire world and like centuries of history but also connecting it to one individual i just love that when it's done well but then there's another book that i want to talk about that's completely different it's called municipal dreams by john borton i think his name is and it basically it's just like the history of social housing from like the origins of it to the present day I, I'm, I'm very interested in housing i'm like a housing campaigner on the side really? i've been for like eight years now i mean i'm not i'm not very good at it because i haven't built any houses yet but i've been i've been doing housing work for quite a while and i i'm, I'm just obsessed with housing so this book has a really foundational text for me even though i read it quite a lot later into my me actually doing campaigning and again i, I think any i think we're, we're at a point in in british society where we're actually slowly starting to reevaluate our perceptions of social housing and it's about time slowly but surely yeah. hopefully yeah slowly but surely that's a topic that's quite close to me as well housing i work in housing oh okay so, great i didn't know yeah, that yeah yeah 
Um, but yeah, another question I want to ask you actually, Costa, is um, do you mind sharing a non-fiction book that completely changed your perspective on a certain topic and how did it influence your thinking? So one of the first non-fiction books I ever read was called The Extreme Center by Tarek Ali. I read this when I was like 16, I think. And it's basically a big attack on the Labour Party, but not just the Labour Party, the idea of being a centrist in general. And at the time, I had joined the Labour Party because I was at, in sixth form and I wanted to put my UCAS application. It wasn't because I was like a staunch Labour supporter. It just seemed like an easy thing to do. And it was just like, this is, again, this is a pre-Brexit book as well. And it was basically like, this is why being a centrist is like damaging. And this is the kind of repercussions of it. I can't say if it's an amazing book because I read it 10 years ago now, almost. But it really did kind of, it was the, my introduction to a more kind of radical out of the box way of thinking about politics and I think I really needed that because it did kind of start this chain reaction and how I engaged in politics from there on and it didn't really put me off it actually made me make, kind of want to like immerse myself in politics and I think it's quite top of mind for me because I'm now again reevaluating my relationship with politics in my mid-20s so I will say that's a good book especially if you're like speaking about like, like young people in general like I think that's a really good starting point it's really easy to read it's probably aged quite well even though it's quite old now by modern standards but definitely worth reading if you're interested in kind of understanding like centrism as a concept mm. i think i, I don't want to butcher the, the phrase you might be able to quote it better than i can but i, I think margaret thatcher said something along the lines of one of the greatest things she'd done was having someone like tony blair come in and forcing labor to change essentially essentially because they've more or less became a, a cent a center left for lack of a better term, party at the time. And I mean, we could all see how that's gone, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I meant that it's interesting that I, I, I don't know much about Thatcher, to be honest, besides like mm. her impact on like housing. But uh, I thought he was going to say taking away the milk. Oh, yeah, that too. Loads of, I mean, there's <laughs> a very, like, one of the most, again, I think is interesting. I'm not like, I didn't expect to go down the that thatcher rabbit hole but no <laughs> when you think about how impactful margaret thatcher was it does it, again it's a reminder of how important politics is and like how mm. much it impacts our day-to-day lives i feel like a lot of people don't realize how much like politicians and politics like changes our lives mm-hmm. and margaret thatcher definitely did in a lot of ways but yeah i do think i, I think that's a good example it's, again it's very british in context but definitely a lot of transferable things for like Western democracy. I feel, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel as though you, you toe the line quite closely when it comes to reading both nonfiction and fiction books. So I wanted to ask whether you have a preference and if not, what positives do you find in consuming both? So on this, I don't know if you use the story graph, but it's basically a independent version of Goodreads, which I, I switched to this year, I think, or maybe last year. But basically it has data like graphs of like your reading habits and my fiction to nonfiction ratio is basically 50-50 at this point. I make a point of going fiction, nonfiction, fiction, nonfiction in the books I read. And then I, I technically count poetry as nonfiction in that, which is probably wrong. But that's another thing. Yeah, and I I do have a preference, 
but it's changed. I used to prefer nonfiction and now I'm slightly more fiction because I think I want a bit more escapism now and my reading habits have changed. And because I read at night, I don't always want to be reading a really heavy historical book. I mean, I was going to use an example like books about like the history of the Kurdish people, but um, that's actually on my reading list. I definitely want to read that. But it's like, again, it's not an easy read, like when you're in bed, like just about to go to sleep at like nine o'clock at night. But I love nonfiction. I just feel like, is that I'm in the honeymoon phase of fiction because I didn't like it for so much of my life and now in the last five years I've actually realized that I like fiction because I found the right fiction for me so I'm still on that journey I think but it is very 50-50 like if you ask me tomorrow I'll probably have a different answer. There's some fiction books that I found can depict real life better than any non-fiction book can in some instances like it really resonates with you so I definitely hear what you're saying in that in that aspect as well, Costa. Another question I was going to ask you actually is, I've noticed that you go into like independent bookshops and uh, comment on them as well. What what ignited this interest in yours uh, in doing this, Costa? So I, I mentioned earlier, I, I just love bookshops in general. Although when I was younger, I I don't know if you know South London at all, but I used to go in the week of Centre and Croydon. There's a bookshop called, they had a, a Waterstones. I don't know if it's still there. I haven't been in, in a while, but they had a really nice Waterstones when I was there, when I was a kid. And they also had a bookshop called The Works, which was like the poundland of bookshops. Basically, my dad would always take me there and I would just, I hated it. I don't know. It just, it felt like, I felt like it cheapened books, even as someone who didn't read books. I, was like, I felt offended that like you had all these like, ITV presenters autobiographies like on the clearance rack for like a pound I was just like I don't want to be in here like but and I'll just escape to the Waterstones but I've yeah I've just loved the the kind of the, the space of a bookshop even though it's like obviously like a retail space you can it's somewhere you can actually like loiter and not have to buy something which is quite nice in public space but post-pandemic I started making lists of not just books I want to read but also like places in London I wanted to visit and then a way of kind of anchoring me to that place would be like here are the places to eat here are the parks here are the galleries here are the bookshops so I started like making a list of all the independent bookshops I could find in London and then it made me kind of want to go to these areas so I started like collecting those and that's kind of how that kind of stream of my videos started it was just I wanted to like see all these bookshops and then I'll just make a point of like buying a book or two to support that bookshop when I'm there which I've really enjoyed and it's nice to see people kind of discovering new bookshops because of 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 TikTok in general it's kind of a bit of a contrast to what you think TikTok is like definitely absolutely lastly is there any books you recommend anyone to read if they want to get into reading, so to speak, or just in general, like a book that you really enjoyed and you'd want to recommend that someone should read? I have so many. I guess a recent one, I've, I've met I'm, a lot of the ones I've already mentioned. So I think Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zorna, I, as a book that's really popular, is a book that I kind of I understand, but it's also really heavy. So if you want something a bit lighter, one of my TikTok friends, Kimberly McIntosh, published a book recently that I really, 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 really enjoyed. And it was really funny. And it's called Black Girl No Magic. And it's another kind of essay collection, but it's also got like comedic elements, like almost skits, but in a book. I just think it's also like really short. It's really creative. And it felt quite fresh in terms of the way it was put together. So I recommend that book. And it's also, if someone doesn't like reading, I can imagine them getting into that book and then that kind of being a gateway into other people's I again I like the idea that you have these people who aren't authors who are give, given book deals these days I feel like that's something that's quite feels like quite a new phenomenon to me 
which I like to see. I think it's good to, I think anyone can and should write a book. I think, I don't know. I don't think it should be this elitist thing now. And I don't think it is anymore. That was Costa, and you can follow him on TikTok to see more of his book reviews and recommendations. His handle is at NotThatCosta. A big thank you to him for coming on the podcast, and thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate the podcast and check out some of the previous ones if you haven't done already. And until then, I'll catch you on the next.